Welcome to the Costello Coaching Podcast, where we talk about developing the human within the athlete. My vision is to enhance people's performance in all aspects of their lives. I hope you enjoy. All right, we're back with Andrew Orbach, coach here at Costello Coaching. Andrew and I collaborate and talk about many different concepts together and how we're going to best coach the people that we serve. So what we're doing with this podcast, open format for a conversations that we share so that there might be something you can grab from this and apply it to either your own life, your own team, or if you're a coach yourself, share it with the athletes or the humans that you work with. So today, the focus of our conversation is going to be the importance of environment, how important the environment that you work within is and what kind of impact it can make on either your performance, your overall mental well-being, your physical performance, your mental performance, whether you're on a sports team, you're in a business, whatever it is, how environment plays a role in what you're doing and how you're going about your business. So Andrew, you got anything that you want to preface this conversation with? Share it now. Yeah, sure. Um, Well, I think you did a really good job of kind of what we're going to be even talking about with environment and how that affects you and um, and, and how it can hurt you as well as it can, you know, really promote what you're trying to do, whether you're physical, um, you know, or just for your mental aspect. So, you know, we talked about this with our guys, what was it about a week and a half ago? Um, and it, it, it's really important for people to understand the differences between a positive environment and a negative environment. I guess that's the best way you can talk about it. Um, we kind of illustrated that at least for me and I think for you as well, Tommy, in negative environments, um, there's certain characteristics that these environments do possess. Um, a lot of them have dishonesty. Um, it's a fear-based lack of trust, a lot of finger pointing going along, um, and criticism versus constructive feedback. Uh, we also have positive, uh, which is honesty. There's accountability, respect, encouragement. There's a positive outlook on things, feeling of being valued. So it's really important for you to look and, you know, we had our guys journal, which was like a free write, daily free write. We always start off with that where maybe you can kind of sit there and just journal your emotions, your thoughts, your feelings that you're having at that current moment to kind of get where you're at in that present moment. And from that point, I think it's important that from that aspect, look at it and go, okay, this is where I'm at. And now I'm going to look at my environment, how that can probably be affecting where I'm currently at. Do you have any thoughts on that, Tommy? Yeah. I mean, in regards to the journaling. Yeah. Journaling, um, you know, like how do you, how do you analyze your environment and if it, if it's being positive or negative for you? I think it's more so just about having an awareness of what the truth is in terms of what, how the environment that you're in is playing a role into how you're going about your business. And when I say your business, I, I mean, you know, your, your daily performance, you can think of your life as a daily performance and how you're going about that. So if you're in a place where in a headspace, if you're in a headspace that is enhancing your abilities, you're in a good spot. If you're in a headspace where it's debilitating to be your best, you're probably creating a poor environment. And I really believe that you do have the power to create your own environment. Now, there's a lot of bad places to be in this world. There's a lot of bad people you could be around. There's a lot of toxic cultures and there's a lot of toxic people. So I completely agree with that. And I've, I've been there. I've been in those places. But it begs the question, how is someone able to think of, you know, an elite, elite human being to walk this earth, Nelson Mandela, in jail for so long, but he was able to create a culture and an environment within the prison cell that he was in where he had a clear headspace and he was able to be productive the second he got to leave that toxic environment. Now, how does someone do that? 
Well, I really believe that they can look at their situation with an objective lens. And for you and for me, we know that journaling is a great mechanism to get there. And I think that's why people gravitate towards the journaling aspect. And that's why we're teaching it to youth athletes and adults and all sorts of people. And that's why people have gravitated towards journaling for as long as humans have been around, because it's very clear that you take your thoughts that are inside your head, inside the way you think, you put them on paper and you get to look at them. All of a sudden you've created space. Mm-hmm. Now that space has been created, you then can strategically look at and say, am I being real about what's happening right now? Mm-hmm. Or am I staying in the subjective and all in my thoughts and feelings about the truth of the situation? Yeah, You know, people, it's so easy for them to finger point and blame, like you said, but when you figure and point and blame, you're not really being true about what's happening. You're just putting there, you're putting it out there rather than taking accountability for what's happening. Right. And what journaling can do for you is uh, gives you the mechanism in which to take accountability. Yeah. You hold yourself accountable, right? Yeah. They're your thoughts and your emotions. There's, it's only a conversation between you and you. Mm-hmm. And so once you get that awareness of that, that brings the truth of where you're currently at. Right. And so then from that point, then you're not trickling one thing to the next thing to the next thing. Right. You, you pointed that out really good. You're, you're being objective with where you're currently at in the truth. And I think that's a huge starting point for most people with journaling, as well as if we're talking environments, talking environment, you know, starting with the objective of where you're currently at. Mm-hmm. And so if you're a leader, I love talking leadership because I always look at the way that I'm leading people. But if you're a leader, you can be objective about the environment you're creating for others. Mm-hmm. So not until you can kind of control and have a grasp on what you're doing, can you then go out and help others with it? Mm-hmm. You have to learn it first for yourself and then go teach. And I think people kind of get that backwards is they might be creating toxic cultures because they don't really know how to create their own personal environment as a healthy, safe space for excellence and for growth and for execution. Mm -hmm. They might be creating their own space that's toxic and not a positive place to be. And then they go out and project that on the world that they're leading. So would you suggest for a leader who might be creating a toxic environment or not creating a toxic environment, what what would you suggest for a leader? Like what's the first step for finding out if you're creating that? Can you lead yourself? And if you feel like you have a lack of discipline leading yourself or being organized or being disciplined, do it for yourself first and execute it every single day. And soon people will recognize that and follow that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I agree. If you, if you can't do it yourself, then how are you expecting anyone else to be able to do it for themselves? Exactly. Yeah. But then once you have established that you understand what creates your success, you then can set up a culture and a place of work for others to do well in because you know what the generalities are that are helping people. Mm-hmm. You know, generally waking up early, working out, doing certain things uh, that drinking water, eating healthy, like these are common, understandable things that if you put that within your environment of work for the people that work with you or the people that you're helping, all of a sudden they're in a place where they have the basic necessities met. And if the basic necessities are met, now we have some power over what we're doing. Yeah. There, did you ever see that documentary or I think it was a Netflix show with Jonah Hill and his, uh, no. I think it was called Stutz. Shout out to Stutz. Okay. You should watch it. It's very good. And he was talking a little bit about how that he thinks it's really, really important that in each therapy session, I believe he was a therapist and I forget his exact profession, but he, he wanted someone to get something out of every therapy session, right? Because a lot of therapy is pushing 
you know, like kind of listening and being a little bit better of listening and seeing if the other person who's there for therapy can listen to themselves and find their own way out of their own problems. Right. But he wanted to be able to help each person with it. And so his thing, and I'll, I'll finish my point here real quickly, is that if you can't, he calls it the life force. So if you can't, there's certain things, right? Like maybe I think what he was saying with the life force is taking care of things that you can control, right? Like your diet, how you're sleeping. If you, if you take care of your life force, that's going to be like the battery life to fixing all the other external problems that you might have. Because I think a lot of people will go, oh, I have these big problems this way. I got to fix this. I got to make more money this way. I got to get my business to work this way. But most people aren't actually focusing on what they can control. And I think what you're attesting to is that life force is, you know, are you eating healthy? Are you taking care of yourself? Whatever that is for you. And that, that was a huge thing. I don't know what your thoughts are on that, but it sounds like that's what you were saying. Hey guys, hope you're enjoying the show. Only way this podcast grows is if it's shared. So please share it with your friends, family, or anyone you feel like it can help enhance their performance in their life. A little karma goes a long way. Let's get back to the show. So what's really cool is you know, you can work with people if you have an awareness for what's going on within this psychology component of performance and nerves and dealing with nerves and, and how you feel. You know, it's really important to sometimes have information to fall back on, meaning maybe a book that you do really well with, maybe a piece of research that you've read or a video or a movie. You know, it could be as simple as you watching Forrest Gump and it gets you into that mindset. Maybe you didn't consciously know that at yeah. that at that point in your career. Definitely didn't know. But now with where you're at within the world of psychology, you definitely understand that that is what happened. Yeah. And I understand why that movie was what it was for me. Like what yeah. the message of that movie. Maybe why it was such a great movie. Why it was a good movie. People why? resonated with that. Yeah. So anyways, I something I want to I want to give credit where credit is due is one book that had a massive impact with for me regarding my performance and my mentality is a book that I've read about four or five times. And it's Dr. Bob Rotella's How Champions Think. He tells incredible stories in that book. He was sports psychologist for many different teams. He's made his mark in the NBA, college basketball, but he's made his biggest impact in golf, which has got to be the most mental sport there is, right? Baseball being one of them, but golf, man. Oh, golf. Right? People get nervous playing golf with their friends. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, hanging out and going to play on the Muni. On a Sunday afternoon, they get nervous over looking over a putt. I have to be careful of like what friend I bring, even if they're good friends. Really? Oh, yeah. Like Still? Yeah. Like okay. you, you're kind of an intense guy. You have intensity to you. Yeah. And I'm, I would be just nervous to golf with you, even if I knew what I was doing. You would That would shake me up almost like maybe, you know, me pitching against Vanderbilt or uh, like that. Yeah, I like it. I put a little pressure on you. Yeah. <laughs> Turn it up. See, this is ever this is the intensity I'm talking about right now. Yep. It's firing you up that you're in my dome right I now. I love that. <laughs> I love that. So you you mentioned a psychologist that had an impact on you uh, throughout your career, uh, focal points. And could you share a little information on him? Yeah. So his his name is or was unfortunately passed away in 2018, but Ken Revisan, he's he has a PhD in this and he is world renowned. People know him from all walks of life, especially in the baseball community. But I, uh, had, I had a pleasure of being with him and when I'm my time at Long Beach State. And he has these things called revisa-isms. Uh, I'm sure a couple with him, with you, but if you want to check his stuff out, it's kenrevisa.com, K-E-N-R-A-V-I-Z-Z-A.com. So Ken has a couple that I think would be really good. 
Um, the first one, I think, Tommy, you really enjoyed this one. But here's a saying. Are you that bad that you have to feel good to play well? I love that one. That, I, I don't know why that hits me so good because I'm going to use that. I've never heard it until you shared it with me before we started talking about this. Are you that bad that you have to feel good before you do this? Are you that bad? Right. I love that question. Yeah. It made me smile, but also it makes you sink in and think, no, I'm that good. Yeah. I can feel terrible and play good. Yeah. It's confidence. I kind of have that, uh, not to get off track, I have that swagger in the gym where I know I'm that good at working out. Or if some guys want to push it one day and I had terrible sleep or I'm a little sick or I was out late the night before and had a couple drinks, I know I could show up to the gym and dominate people. I'm that good that I know I could be that bad and still be that good. But why? Why are you that good? So many hours put in. Yeah. Right. So much study into it. Yeah. So you can't have you can't be like a lot. I think a lot of people get in trouble with that. As, oh, and this. more time. Yeah. Go for it. So like, OK. Go back to University of Washington, right? Mm -hmm. I told you I had seven weeks in between the outing. What'd you do in those seven weeks? Well, I practiced so much, too much. I practiced, I practiced, I practiced. I don't know. I could never look back at myself and tell myself that I needed to work harder at any point in my career. 99% of people can't say that. I can truthfully say there's no time that I could have worked harder. And I say that with full confidence and certainty. Yeah. Now, what I do believe is more mound time, meaning in games. The guys that are the best are the ones that are in the lineup every day. So if... This is where it's important for life. I'm so confident in the gym because, Andrew, how many hours do I spend in a gym every day? A lot. A lot of hours. So, yeah, of course I'm confident in that space. I'm in it every day. So if you want to get more confident in a spot, and this is this is organically happening for me, this, this revelation of understanding mm -hmm. from that quote, get in a spot more. Yeah. So if you're on a team where you don't get to play a lot, get off that team. And that was the move I had to make. I, I, I was at University of Washington. I made a move to a junior college and I pitched and I pitched and I pitched. I threw 85 innings, started once a week, would come in relief sometimes. And I had so much mound time that I became more confident. Well, let me play devil's advocate here because not everyone's going to be able to just leave the situation. Like if if you're not getting mound time or if you're not in the space that you can be and you're not getting those reps, there's still an aspect that you can control the controllables. And how are you going to get better without having experience in the game? Like there is there's small things that you can do, right? You can you can work on some meditation. You work on self-talk. You can you can get on the mound and dry rep things. You have opportunities. You're not going to not be on the mound doing bullpens. Yeah, you can use those as opportunities to prepare yourself and like it's a game. Yeah. No, I, I get that. That's that's obvious to me. Maybe not to, to you. all. Yeah. And that's what I was doing, but I was still nervous. Yeah. So definitely you got to get in the space more. I, and, I see and, what you're and, saying. No, no, though. no. And I, I know what you mean by, well, what if you can't get in the space more? I mean, maybe it's as silly as something that was like creative that maybe sounds wild while you're in it, but not that crazy when you're out of it. What if I grabbed some hitters on my team that weren't getting a lot of at-bats and we just ran our own live ABs? Perfect. Yeah. You know? Get which, creative. Yeah. Get creative about how to recreate the situation. So, you know, maybe if you're in sales and you get really nervous about making sales calls. Uh, sales call your friends. Yeah. Practice them. Get on the phone. Call people. Just call people, call people, call people. And then all of a sudden you get more ground time. Yeah. And th and that's that's what I'm attesting to. I, yeah. I understand there's a there's a double-sided coin to this. The one yeah, side you one can, side's change your environment that's completely not conducive to you. Yeah. But also make sure you check the other side of the coin too of are you controlling everything that you can control? And if you are and it's just 
clearly an unhealthy environment for you, then maybe, yeah, that's the, that's when you kind of. So for the, for the nervous person or the person that has performance anxiety, the only reason that I, because what happened with me is I overdid it in terms of, all right, well, I don't have any of this time. I'm going to study this team. If I come in and pitch against them, I'm going to do visualization. I'm going to do breathing. I'm going to do all this. And it compounded and made me more nervous. Mm -hmm. So you don't want to overdo it. Sure. If you're not getting the chances and jeopardize it, but do more competitive things. That would be my advice to myself. Now, if I was back in that situation in college, I'd say, just go do more competitive things and gain your swagger by doing more competitive things rather than trying to do so many analytical things. I understand what you're saying. So if you're an analytical thinker and you get nervous in performance and you start having performance anxiety, move away from analytical thinking and move into competitive thinking. Yeah. So play a game of of checkers or tic-tac-toe or something that's going to get your competition spirit back involved. I totally, I agree. Do you like that? that? I, I like that. That's kind of where that. my heart's feeling. That's the language I can put behind what I'm feeling. Yeah. And I think that's also, I don't want to keep beating a dead horse, but that's controlling and controllable. Okay. You're not getting it somewhere. Find, find, yeah, a find your competitive spot. Yeah. I'll, before you just go, this isn't the right environment for me. They don't understand me. Right. Because I think a lot of kids do that. And a lot of people do that, not just baseball players, but they're really quick to go, Hey, this environment's not working and they don't understand me. I'm out. Like, are you checking with yourself first? Just like if you're on the mound and the environment gets too big for you, bases loaded, nobody out. What are you going to do in that situation? You're going to go, well, this sucks. I, I was, I came in the seventh inning. I don't have a clean inning. I got bases loaded. Are you going to be like, this environment's too bad for me? I don't want to be in it. No, you, you have moments in there that you can control. And have you done the preparation you can to find the competitive outlet, to find it, to, to make it fun and to find your breath and you have your focal points, have you, have you developed a routine that that will help you in those situations? And so that that's, that's kind of my point on it, I guess. I love it. Well, there was so much there and there there's 20, 30, 40 hours of conversation. So if you grab anything from it, I hope you enjoyed our stories, but you could visit kenreviza.com and you could check out the book, How Champions Think by Dr. Bob Rotel. And I believe there will be a ton of great information in there for you guys to grab and work within. So I hope you learned something today and we'll be back next time. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the show. I hope you benefited from this. Give the show a follow, share it, and comment what you'd like to hear more of so we can help more people perform in all aspects of their lives. 